Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leader Dialogue, brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. I'm Duffy Dixon. Let me introduce you to one of our two exceptional leaders with Soar Vision Group today. Of course, Ben Sawyer, who is the Chief Executive Officer. He has over 30 years of executive leadership experience. Ben launched the Soar Vision Group to help align people with purpose to achieve exceptional results and you've had dramatic results. Now, I said one of our two exceptional leaders because we're missing Jennifer Strahan. She is the COO of Soar Vision Group. She is actually at her doctoral cohort. Working to get smarter. That's right. Good hard, luck, Hard Jennifer. to believe. Thanks for doing the hard work for us. Exactly. <laughs> our very welcome guest today is Al Faber, the president and CEO of the Baldridge Foundation. Now, anyone who has listened to this show before has heard of the Baldridge Foundation. So I'm gonna start off with, you're the man we've been waiting to talk to. Oh no. Oh yes. <laughs> I am excited to be here. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you and the Baldridge Foundation. You've been at Baldridge, what, since 2014? I right? have. Okay. And this is actually my 20th year working with Baldridge. Uh, first as an organizational leader in federal and state government and then followed by uh, serving as the CEO of the state program in Ohio, which expanded into Indiana and West Virginia. So it became a regional program. Once I uh, completed that tenure after about three and a half years, I came up to the Baldrige Foundation in 2014 and have had the opportunity now to work nationally with organizations across the country in healthcare, education, business, and other sectors to include government. And it's just been an exciting journey for me. And the so, Baldridge Foundation, oh, I'm sorry, I was going to say no, the please. Baldridge Foundation is fascinating to hear about its legacy, hear how it came about. Yeah, so to, to get that answer started, you have a really personal and interesting story with the Baldridge when you were in the Army as a colonel and, um, and going after the, the Baldridge in terms of a community endeavor. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that and link it to sort of what the Baldridge Foundation is all about and how it helps I sure can. You know, believe it or not, the United States Army uses Baldrige as a leadership and management framework to help improve their business processes and produce combat-ready units. And so across the Army, the Army Communities of Excellence program, which is the Army's version of Baldrige, is what we used in our organization. Uh, it was a 12-year journey for using Baldridge, and we obtained three Chief of Staff of the Army National Quality Awards, of which you have to sit out three years in between each one of them. So for nine years, uh, we were serving as one of the Army's role model organizations. And so when I retired from the Army in 2011, it just made too much sense to stay with Baldridge, and I was recruited into the CEO position in Ohio by a gentleman named Frank Perez, the CEO of the Kettering Health Network, wow. and another gentleman, Paul Worstel, who was the president and CEO of ProTech Coding, a national award recipient steel company, probably the most productive steel company in the history of United States Steel. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, as you came into the Baldridge Foundation, having lived it, delivered it, won the award, what was the significance for you about what the Baldridge and the Baldridge Foundation uh, stood for that you, from that unique perspective, could come in and really um, support and drive? Well, you know, it was that foundation 
uh, experience with Baldrige, having used it, having been successful with it, having seen the power, the transformational power of it, and how it creates the right culture of continuous improvement. There just isn't a better leadership and management framework out there for creating a professional development system within your organization of teamwork, collaboration, and really focused on mission, vision, and values like no other system. So this has been the Baldrige framework, just to give the listeners a context, has been in existence for 30 years now, right? Since 1988 or so, when uh, President Reagan launched that, it? That, that's correct. It was created in 1987 with Public Law 100-107 by President Ronald Reagan. It was named after Malcolm Baldrige, the Secretary of Commerce, who was a close personal friend of his and a cowboy, who was tragically killed in a rodeo accident at the age of 67. Now, you have to admire a man riding in a rodeo. Who was in the rodeo at the age of 67. Gotta love it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But it was created with three purposes in mind because quality was suffering across the United States at that time. If you remember back to those years, everybody was buying Japanese made cars, Japanese made steel. And so quality was an issue across the United States. So the three intents of the program were first to establish a criteria, a set of questions that an organization could conduct a self assessment and by which an apples-to-apples -apples comparison could be done to determine who were the best role models in the country. And then to take those role models, which is the purpose of the awards program, to identify role model organizations and have them share their best practices with thousands of organizations across the country. Since then, there have been more than 1,600 applicants since 1988, with 113 Baldrige Awards presented, and they have shared their best practices with thousands of organizations across the United States, accelerating their quality journey. And this is not an easy award to get. As we've talked about, some people go after this for years. Yeah, and, and the, the, the journey actually is the destination. I think we've heard that from Paul Grizel and others that have been on um, the show. Um, the award is uh, just a recognition of, of the incredible work done. And the fact that you are a top performer in your peer group. Is that right? I mean, that, that's right. Becoming a role model is really what you're chasing. Uh, it's trying to reach that epitome of process improvement and continuous improvement within your organization to become the best of the best. It's not about pursuing the award per se, but about optimizing everything and every bit of your operation to become a financially sustainable role model organization that's really just banging on all eight cylinders. So what's interesting, and we've touched on this in a number of radio shows, is uh, in the age of consumerism, which we're clearly in now, there is a demand for visualization and there's a demand for, for more rapid returns in terms of whatever you're doing. And so the Baldridge has actually had to adapt a little bit in terms of that messaging and how we communicate it. And for the listeners, the visual Baldridge, which is the organizational hierarchy of needs that is on the, the website leaderdialogue.com. Dialogue is spelled D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E, not to be confused. You can follow along on the home page. But talk to us a little bit about that in terms of the cross-connection of that visual Baldridge to the Baldridge categories and the significance of that for 
businesses in the age of consumerism. When, when you look at the hierarchy of needs and you look at the SOAR Vision Group strategy execution model, it just dovetails and aligns so much with the seven criteria of the Baldrige criteria, leadership strategy and customers, and then workforce operations and results underpinned by measurement, analysis, and knowledge management, all based on core values and concepts. And managing for innovation is one of those true um, key concepts that we seem to get with SOAR, and, and it supports it in such a great way. Now, when you're talking about consumerism, this age of consumerism, and the focus on the customer, you're talking about category uh, three for um, uh, the Baldrige customers. And when you look at customers today and their high demands on just quality, efficiency, access, I mean, it, there's just so much room for continuous improvement and innovation. It has to be a continuous process, a discipline process, that is built into your organizational thinking and your strategic thinking. So um, we have seen waves of technology disruption uh, impacting business and operational cycles. So uh, all of us remember when the cell phone first came out. Ooh, remember, that <laughs> cell phone. Remember that? I mean, it used to just be like physicians or whatever that had that. Mm -hmm. And now everybody has it. And it, it, it absolutely changes the way we interact with each other. And it's allowed for virtual uh, work and all kinds of things. And then the next huge disruptive wave, there was many other ones, but one of note was in the consumer products uh, uh, world with the advent of the electronic marketplace with with Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I, re I remember completely when I was not going to put my credit card out on the website, like, who would do that, right? Sure. And that wasn't that long ago. And now everybody is doing it. So, Al, you and I are going to be talking with some healthcare executives this next week, um, 12 of them, as a matter of fact, that are representing a lot, lot of different health systems around the United States. And um, they see this coming, this tidal wave of, of um, change with um, virtual health and t telemedicine, with robotic surgery and with um, uh, global tourism, healthcare tour tourism, which means uh, somebody can uh, go to a different country and get a procedure. As I like to call it, destination surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, so all of those things are coming. And what it really means, I think, and just comment on this if you can, Al, is the Baldrige framework becomes even that much more important, particularly the using the innovation and the persistent curiosity to, to figure out new ways of being able to deliver optimal services to your customers, right? Absolutely, and that's a great point, Ben, because one of the recent challenges that we're, we've identified across the country here uh, in meetings, high-level meetings at USDA in Washington, D.C. that I've had the opportunity to sit in on, as well as talking to healthcare organizations out in rural America, members of Congress who are bearing the brunt of these concerns, which is the infrastructure across the United States. When you talk about infrastructure, a lot of people think roads, bridges, and all those other things. But one of the most critical pieces of the future of infrastructure for America is broadband. Because people in rural America have got to have access. I mean, an access that happens in seconds, not the minutes and, and hours of downloading something because, you know, they get one or two bods per minute or something right, like that. Right. And so, and, and what I've also found is just recently visiting one of our Baldrige Award recipients, the Charter School of San Diego in San Diego, California, is the challenge of getting uh, the different things that they can offer through 
working on your phone, your homework on your phone if you're in high school, to kids who have no access to Wi-Fi. And so creatively, using the Baldrige framework, looking at a problem holistically, they're working with local government, they're working with Sprint and other providers out there to get these kids the access they need to leverage the current technology so that they can be successful in the future. So if we had to summarize it for the listeners, really what the Baldrige is doing is uh, creating a high level of, of business and operational competency, right? The categories are leadership and strategy and workforce and, and you know, management results and so forth. And really, if organizations are pursuing this, they're developing a competency that they can then use to solve the kinds of problems like you were just talking about, right, with the charter schools and so forth. That's it. You know, at the end of the day, Baldrige is about optimizing all of your processes in a fully integrated way across the organization to prioritize where you can put your resources to be most successful, ensuring your growth in the marketplace, your financial sustainability, but also the success, accomplishing the mission of the organization regardless of what that mission is. Right. So when individuals go back to either get an advanced degree or to get some kind of a technical certification, they're developing their individual competency. This is a little different in that it's organizational competency, which is more, which is more people, therefore by its nature, more complicated. And so what do you say to a listener that's like, it sounds really good, but it seems kind of overwhelming? And it can be until you break it down into biteable chunks, okay, and, and so and use the Baldrige process itself, the framework itself, to analyze a problem. We use this uh, process that we call Approach Deployment Learning and Integration, ADLI. We all want to take an approach. We all have an idea to solve a problem. What's key is when you just talked about the thousands of people that could be within an organization, deployment can be the real challenge. Right. And that could be a key part of your strategy execution because you have to align the organization to give clear line of sight of every frontline employee straight to the top and straight to the mission of what you're trying to get at. Once you do that, you have to learn as you deploy strategies and programs throughout an organization and lastly integrate that learning back into the process to improve it, to strengthen it, and to make sure that it advances into the future getting at what you're really trying to get at, which are the key results you've identified. So when you're talking about getting everyone on board, on the same page, once you get them on the same track and you're doing that, how often do you have to touch base again to make sure everyone is still on the same track? As you said, this is a learning process and it never stops and you always have to be looking into the future. We as human beings, unfortunately, you know, revert to our old ways or kind of divert in our own directions. How important is that? It is critically important, and that's a very insightful point, too, because as any senior leader knows, it, you have to communicate, communicate, and over-communicate to get the message done. And just when you think you've reached everybody, you've got to circle back to the very beginning and start over. Right. Because at the end of the day, senior leaders are paid to incentivize an organization by inspiring the people within the organization to continue the great work that they're doing and the more they see how their work contributes to the overall success of the mission success of the organization the more that they give you and the better that you get so this is a topic that we have talked about in other shows because listeners may remember we've talked about the research from donald soul and rebecca Hompkins. donald Souls from MIT and Rebecca Hompkins is from the London School of Economics, and they described 
how strategy unravels. In other words, how an organization does exactly what you were just saying, Duffy, which is they do it and then they get off track and they and they go back to whatever their current state was. Right. Right. That's the that's the natural human tendency. So the question is, when strategy unravels, what do you do? And one of the myths that they said is communication does not equal alignment, which is what we were just talking about. So this is something, Al, that you and I have been now working on in this partnership for a while, which is in the age of consumerism, how do you create those structures that connect senior leadership to the front line visually in terms of software and so people have stuff on their phone and then a cadence of communication and so forth that allows all of that to connect. So comment a little bit on uh, to the listeners on that relative to what had been which was was guidance and advice to now some transitions to some structure to help accelerate those journeys and create sustainability. One of the things that we pride ourselves in Ballridge is systems thinking. And, and so an organization is it looks at a complex problem like that in full deployment, trying to get every single stakeholder within the organization on board and moving in the same direction, is we have to have the processes in place that tie what the leaders want into a strategy that the organization can adopt and that's consumer or customer focused to exceed customer expectations and what we call delight the customer. And then once we get past that, we have to look at all of the information systems that we have out there to not just measure success, but to also implement what it is we're trying to get at. And so one of the things I love about Soar Vision Group is all of the tools that you have that are accessible to stakeholders on their phone. As right. simple as that, right there, right in front of them, that they can access at any time, 24-7. And so when you have that, you have the ability to get the message out faster, okay? You have the ability to re-communicate and over-communicate the message to ensure that there's just no gap in someone's uh, thinking or understanding about what it is the organization's trying to get at, and most importantly, what their role in it truly is. And so once you have those processes in place, Okay, in the operations, in category six, you have to have the results that you're looking for too. What you have in this fully automated system that SOAR presents, that I love, is this ability to measure results and to integrate those results and to stratify those results so that you can identify what part of an organization or what segment of the workforce is not fully on board with what it is you're trying to get at. So my wife uh, often will say to me, uh, in her lovely southern accent. <laughs> Honey, I just don't know why they can't look out the windshield instead of trying to drive the car through the rearview mirror. Oh, isn't that the truth? And so that's what businesses are trying to do, which is what you're talking about. It's what are the metrics that matter in basically near real time that's helping you navigate a rapidly changing environment and not trying to work off data that came in last month as to how you did, which is trended data. Essentially, it's like getting an email to let you know how fast you were going when you were out on the highway and you got it when you got home. Like that really helped a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> that type of an idea. So um, how is this intersection of, of technology, we've talked about technology disruption, how is this intersection of, of essentially disruptive technology and approaches helping to uh, accelerate and support what Baldridge is trying to accomplish. 
Well, what's, what's really difficult and what has been more difficult in the past is without this kind of technology that's available today, simply getting from the C-suite strategic vision down to the frontline employee was just a series of messages, a series of town hall meetings per se, face-to-face uh, -face communication, and whenever you could get at it, you would get at it. But now, with technology and the technology that you know you have with Soar Vision Group and, and being able to get on everybody's phone, you just have real-time, real-time opportunities to get at strategic opportunities from the top to the bottom. And what that creates is that creates greater consumer satisfaction and greater consumer confidence in that you're responding to the needs of the customer in real time. Right. I think the hardest thing to teach people, um, I come from a news background, when we went to the internet and especially when we went to smartphones or cell phones that could transmit messages, it became a 24 seven cycle of news. Now, having been in the news business long enough that I was there before it was a 24 seven cycle, there was a lot of pushback from people who had been in news forever saying, no, we need time to do it. We, we will have our story ready for the six o'clock news. We will hold that information. That is, that is, that is gone. You need to get that information out and it across multiple platforms. And there is no longer, I would say the same thing in healthcare. I would say the same thing in auto care. It is no longer okay to leave a message at a business and them not get back to you for a couple of days. I would say the same thing if you call on a phone and you get put to someone's voicemail and no one comes back to help you. I mean, consumers will not put up with that anymore. And convincing businesses that people want it, they want it now, they want quality, they want it consistent, it is what it is. Yeah, and so that is a really interesting example in terms of broadcasting because the public did not reduce their quality expectations because the news agencies had to be able to do 24 by 7 reporting. In other words, they didn't give you a pass no. because you are now doing more than a morning and evening show. Right. And we, you basically are on all the time and you're expected to be up to date all the time. And if you get new information, I found it, I found it great. I found it wonderful in that when we would find out something new, you know, we're all very competitive. If I found out something new, I hated the idea that I had to wait for the next broadcast on television to get that. There's a chance someone else is going to get the information. Scoop it. Oh, it is. All, I mean, I, I am all about the let's light up Twitter with our new information. You know, so <laughs> it was, it, in, a, in a way, I thought it was so helpful to the customer. If there is, we've seen it, we see, saw it with this hurricane. I mean, people are getting real-time information, life-saving information in seconds about where the storm is, whether there's a tornado warning, where the water is coming up. I mean, that to me is, is it's life-saving, but I think for business, all businesses, they need to have that approach that everyone thinks now 24 seven and, and you're expected to have your services or at least interaction with your customers in a very timely so, man manner. So to connect the dots on this, and I know this is gonna lead into our next week's show on the deep dive. Right. But to connect the dots on this, um, we've talked about the failure modes in organizational performance as they try to essentially ride the technology disrupting, disruption wave, right? Mm -hmm. and the example you gave, Duffy, of, of again, the broadcasting world is, is spot on. So there are three things. The first is managing the information flow, which you just really aptly described. In other words, 
if information is out there and an organization cannot understand what's important, what's not important, and act upon it in an agile way, somebody else will. Right. And that's not just true in broadcasting. That's true in everything. That's true everywhere. And and actually, the research from Donald Soule and Rebecca Humpkes reinforced that. They did a longitudinal study with over 8,000 middle managers in 250 countries, and that was one of their findings, was that a primary failure mode is information flow. A second one is decision right management. So now you have the now you have the information. What are you going to do about it? And who needs to do something about it? So if you don't have the structure, Al, that you were talking about, that's connecting in basically real time, the senior leaders to the front line and middle management, it's kind of impossible to be able to manage information flow and or decision rights to be nimble, right? That's absolutely correct. And so the integration of the best performance framework in the world that has been validated for 30 years, that being the Baldrige framework, combined with tools and processes that can help organizations accelerate it and use it to their benefit to manage decision rights and information flow is kind of the wave of the future here in terms of being able to help organization's position. Is that correct? I believe that it is because one of the things that I've noticed in organizations, in my own organization, as we used Baldrich to improve ourselves, was the lack of a formal system underneath us, a fully automated system that could help support our journey and help accelerate it. Right. So we had Russ Branzell on here. You remember that? I do. He was the winner at uh, Poudre Valley Medical Center and I think it was 2008, I want to say, yeah, that, that, that time, time frame. frame yeah. And he said that ever since, people have asked him for his Excel spreadsheet. That's right. I remember, <laughs> remember that. Remember this? Yes, yeah. yes. And he's like, when are we going to finally stop using Excel spreadsheet? I mean, not that they're bad, but seriously, from the standpoint of real-time decision right management and information flow, a spreadsheet is not your ideal tool, right? That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, a spreadsheet is nothing more than data and data points. You know, at the end of the day, um, what's great about the Baldrige Criteria is its discussion in Category 4 of knowledge management, getting the right information to the right leader at the right time to make the right decision. And you can't do it fast enough in today's age, and Excel spreadsheets simply don't cut it anymore. All right, so getting the right things done, which, by the way, is the final uh, area of, of failure, which is the biggest one, actually. And I'm thinking we should sort of summarize this at, towards the end of this show, uh, Alan, and we can then bring it up uh, when we talk next week uh, in terms of unpacking it. And that's leadership, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. I, I think everybody that's listening in understands that every organization functions in the shadow of its leader. This is not something that leaders can just delegate, right? That's right. Well, you can delegate it, but it'll fail, and that's almost a guaranteed equation. Uh, if you're going to employ Baldrige, the senior leader has got to be committed, and the C-suite has got to be committed as a team to ensuring that Baldrige is going to work, because at the end of the day, it takes every single one of them to make it happen, and the weakest link in the chain will cause it to fail every time. But what senior leaders really need to have personally is, one, a commitment to a long-term effort to improve the organization and to not just continuous improvement, but intellectual curiosity, constantly, persistently looking for how to improve at every facet of the organization and how to integrate the learning 
of the organization so that everybody understands what it is they're trying to get at as you move the organization forward together. That's a great summary. It absolutely is. And the best part is you're going to be joining us next week as well, right? I'm excited to. Oh, good, because this is just, this is good stuff. And it's so neat to finally, we have talked about the partnership of the Baldridge Foundation and SOAR Vision Group, but it's neat to have both of you in the same room. Yeah, this is, this we, is yeah, good it's, stuff. It's, it's always together. fun. Yeah, it's always fun when Al and I are together. <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone for joining us who is listening to Leader Dialogue, brought to you, of course, by SOAR Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember, you can listen to a new live show every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Visit businessradiox.com, click on the Gwinnett Studio, and select Leader Dialogue. Then click Listen Live. But if you can't join us then, no worries. We keep all of our shows. And better yet, you can visit leaderdialogue.com slash podcast. And that's where you can hear us at all times. On behalf of Ben Sawyer and the missing Jennifer Strahan, who is studying hard with Soar Vision Group, and our producers, Trey and Mike, I'm Duffy Dixon. Join us next time on Leader Dialogue here on Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.